It's three o'clock on Friday afternoon. This is when we bring you the county's COVID-19 update. Uh, they do a briefing with local media every other Friday from three to four, for actually from two to three p.m. They live stream it on their YouTube channel and on their Facebook Live. And I have recorded that, and I am going to play it for you right now. This is our local public health officer, Dr. Andy Corin and his bi-weekly update on Mendocino County's response to the coronavirus pandemic. He will be listing out testing and vaccination opportunities during this briefing, and I will repeat that for you at the end, just in case it goes a little too fast or you miss it. So stay tuned. County of Mendocino COVID-19 briefing. Hello, my name is Trevor Mokel, and welcome to the Mendocino County COVID-19 update. Today, we are pleased to be joined by Mendocino County Health Officer, Dr. Andy Corrin, who will give us an update on the COVID-19 status of our county. After that, we open it up to take a few questions from the media concerning the COVID-19 incident. Questions are limited to two questions per media outlet in order to preserve the schedule of our staff. If time allows, we will also take questions from the public. If you're a member of the public, please leave your question in the comment of this video below and we'll do our best to address it. Now, beginning with the health update, Dr. Corrin, you have our attention. Hello, everybody. Yes, we have changed to the yellow tier, so be happy, but be cautious. Now is when we have to vaccinate. Let's go over the data first from, from uh, April 29th. Uh, it's important to notice that worldwide, India has surpassed the United States in daily cases with over 330,000 new cases per day, though uh, they still have less total cases and less total deaths. But they are in the news because of the near collapse of their healthcare system, which we came close to having here in California last winter. The United States and other countries are beginning to help, so this pandemic is far from over. And with this rate of growth in India, uh, we'll all have more of a threat of more serious variants, and I'll get more to that in a minute. Nationally, the United States coronavirus cases are 32,235,827, and the deaths are 574,383. This is still almost three times the number of deaths that are currently in India. There have been waves in Michigan and Minnesota, the New England states and Northeast, Puerto Rico, and now Oregon to our north is suffering a significant increase in their case rates. California cases now number 3,636,235, and the deaths amount to 60,362. In Mendocino County, we have 2.42 cases per 100,000 per day, uh, and that again is a seven-day average over seven days ago. The test positivity is 1.2% compared to the state 1.4%. Um, these are very low numbers. Total cases uh, in Mendocino County have numbered 4,024 of which uh, 1,996 have been from our Hispanic community. Uh, that remains lower than 50%. We currently have 31 people in isolation and 33 people in quarantine. Our deaths now number 48 in this county. Most recent was a 66-year-old uh, Native American man 
He had many comorbidities and we mourned his loss. So in the yellow tier, the changes in summary mean we have higher capacities in many uh, situations. I hear a lot of frustration about the restrictions and now I'm hearing a lot of anxiety about moving to the yellow tier. I wanna let you know that I share those concerns and we need uh, this time in the yellow tier to learn how our own, to learn our own best behaviors and practices before the general guidance is withdrawn beyond the blueprint as planned in June. But we are not beyond this pandemic and if there are outbreaks while we are in the yellow tier, we could have to return to the orange or the red tier. Let's review some of the most common guidances uh, that have been changed. Uh, and I'll summarize these uh, by just saying that they're higher capacities. But again, private informal gatherings are allowed up to 100 people that can attend outdoors. Indoors is still discouraged because there's high transmission, but it is permitted without food or drink up to 50% capacity. It is much safer outdoors. Private events, which are meetings, conferences, are more formal with a defined guest list. These are permitted outdoors and indoors with proof of vaccination or negative test. I'm sorry, with proof of vaccination or negative test, the capacity has increased. Indoor seated live events, for example, performances with weekly worker testing uh, and designated areas to eat with maintaining six foot of distance uh, are allowed with increased capacity. And again, bonus capacities if all are tested uh, or vaccinated. Outdoor live events such as sports and performances, and at this time of the year, graduations are allowed with assigned seating. Uh, they are restricted uh, to in-state individuals. Again, the capacity is increased. I'm not gonna go into those details. Recent uh, CDC masking guidance has been updated and the CDPH, California Department of Public Health, aligns with uh, fully vaccinated people may go without masks outdoors unless in crowded outdoor events. Close contacts who have no symptoms, who are fully vaccinated, no longer have to quarantine or test unless they have symptoms, in which case they should see their provider and test. This does not apply to those in healthcare settings or other workplaces subject, subject to the OSHA rules or living with vulnerable people. Those who may be immunocompromised should consult with their healthcare provider for further guidance. Recent travel guidance for fully vaccinated persons has also changed. People should travel uh, with masks always, uh, whether in uh, the air or airports or travel hubs such as railway stations, buses, and so on. For domestic travel, you do not need to test before or after or quarantine unless required by local health authorities. International travelers do not need testing on departure unless it's required by the destination they are going to. Upon return, 
they must have a negative test or proof of recent infection before they board, and they should test three to five days after return, but no need to self-quarantine. Again, more and more reasons for people to be vaccinated. Outbreaks in Mendocino County, we have none that are opened at this time and no active school cases. Testing is now available, but it has fallen off to a very low level, leading us to a point where we may not be able to find index cases in time to control outbreaks. So keep testing. I recommend once per month, whether vaccinated or not. The Ukiah Fairgrounds is open every Sunday through Thursday from 9 to 5 p.m. And Fort Bragg Veterans Hall is available every Tuesday from 9 to 5. The travel uh, team is making its rounds, and today they will visit Point Arena and Boonville. And next week, they will be in Laytonville and, and Willits. Consolidated Tribal Health is also having some testing today uh, in Willits. People with symptoms who need testing should not go to these um, uh, surveillance sites, but should go to their clinics or providers on weekdays um, in order to protect uh, those people who are employed for this testing. Variance is a very important uh, concern at this point. We just received, received notice that California surveillance testing has found a Variant B117, the UK variety, here in Mendocino County last month. The UK variety B117 is 50% more transmissible and is more virulent. The prevalence has grown significantly in California. Uh, the state is doing much more surveillance testing now, up to 11% of all positive tests. They are working on reporting back to counties more rapidly and other ways to refine this data. But I, I want to remind everybody that this B117 variant was responsible for the UK uh, surge and uh, is a, a very virulent and very transmissible variety. So this is a new development that is a serious threat and we should see it as more of a stimulus for all those who have been hesitant or have been holding out for whatever reason to get vaccinated and get vaccinated as soon as possible. Uh, and the importance of this uh, should be emphasized that our current vaccines uh, are still active against these variants and all of the variants and, um, and uh, uh, original varieties of COVID that we have here in California. Vaccinations. There was a lot of interest last time uh, in the um, phenomena of having infections after vaccinations. And some mistakenly interpreted that to conclude that the vaccinations are somehow less effective. To the contrary, we are seeing much less than the expected with the numbers that we have vaccinated. Here in Mendocino County with almost 30,000 fully vaccinated people and for a vaccine with 95% efficacy, which means uh, 5% would be expected uh, to get uh, infected or 1,500 people. Instead of this, we've seen just 17, much less than 1%. And for that reason, we are not referring to these as breakthroughs anymore, uh, but the state and the federal government are now calling these 
post-vaccine infections. None have needed hospitalization or died. Few have any symptoms. These are all the more reasons to continue vaccinating. New research from Chicago skilled nursing facility outbreaks showed that of those who were vaccinated, only 0.2% got infected and only had mild effects compared to 15% of those who were not vaccinated. Most of the people who are not vaccinated tend to be staff and they think that they're healthy in other ways and they're doing all of what they should be doing. And so they're holding out against getting a vaccine. And I wanna say it's not safe for them, for their patients, their families, or their friends. Let's move on to the Johnson & Johnson one-shot vaccine. Again, two weeks ago, Johnson & Johnson one-shot vaccine was put on pause due to the very rare occurrence of blood clots with coagulation disorder, now referred to as TTS. This occurred in mostly women from 18 to 50 years old. Over the next week and a little bit more, the FDA the CDC, ACIP, and Western State Scientific Group studied this thoroughly and found a few more cases, including a couple more strokes. This rate is less than two per million doses. We have had none in Mendocino County. While this issue has been interpreted as a vaccine problem, it is actually a testament to the commitment to safety and to our ability to detect this tiny number of side effects. The recommendation now is that we can resume offering the J&J or Janssen vaccine uh, with, new vaccine, with new vaccine information being provided to all the patients and all people having a choice. All providers in Mendocino County have been alerted to the potential symptoms of people presenting with this syndrome and the need for a thorough evaluation and possibly referral to an emergency room if someone presents with this. The vaccine supply is uh, expected to increase in the next two weeks. However, we are seeing a significant decrease in people signing up for the vaccines here in Mendocino County and throughout the state. Our partners uh, have been signed up with Blue Shield, the third party administrator, and in the process of getting their vaccines from the state with only two clinics still needing to get their vaccines from the county. My turn is much improved and more features for county events and our partner uh, and more features for county events and our partners are starting to use it. Again, myturn.ca.gov is a way to get uh, appointments online or the telephone number is 833-422-4255. And this is available in English and Spanish. Also in English and Spanish, uh, uh, services are available from the county by dialing 707-472-2633. And NCO also has a line, 707-467-3239. Uh, or you can text them at 707-209-7161 and put in the uh, body of the text, NCO VAX, V-A-X. Um, these phone numbers are all available for assistance with a person to make these appointments. Eligibility now is anyone over 16 years old. Of course, if people are between 16 and 18 years old, uh, Pfizer is the only vaccine that is currently approved. The others are in 
the uh, various phases of being tested, but they have not yet applied for approval. We have taken down all barriers for verification. We require only a name and an address and we'll vaccinate people out of the county. It is free and it will not affect eligibility for citizenship or Medi-Cal. And we also accept walk-ins. We have been vaccinating the 16 to 18 year olds and their family members partnering with the schools. We are hoping for the approval of the Pfizer vaccine for the 12 to 15 year olds in the next one to two months and looking forward to vaccinating these children along with their usual childhood vaccines. There may be vaccines available for younger age children toward the end of the year. We're continuing to offer some larger events, but we are providing more smaller events and traveling teams for smaller groups. We continue to outreach to agricultural workers and food industry workers, as well as the Hispanic community. And we are now planning events together with the Native American tribes in Hopland and Sherwood Valley. To support all of this, we're continuing and increasing our outreach with education on social media, radio and flyers, as well as uh, planning in uh, door hangers and all of this in English and Spanish. Uh, getting on to the vaccine data for our county, uh, keep in mind that does not include the federal government allotments to Indian Health Service, Veteran Affairs or the prisoners or prisons. Um, total Mendocino County vaccines um, administered equals 68,582. As of April 29th, over 55% of eligible citizens have had at least one dose. 72% of those over 65 have had at least one dose. 68% of those 50 to 64 years old, 45% of those in the 18 to 49 year old uh, age group and 21% of our 16 to 17 year olds. Uh, our equity um, quartiles uh, are doing very well. In the first or least resourced uh, quartile, uh, we have 51% vaccinated, uh, at least partially. And in the second quartile, 56% are part, at least partially vaccinated and 53% in the third quartile. Uh, Mendocino does not have any significant numbers of fourth quartile uh, residents. We have at least partially vaccinated 57% of Caucasians and 47% and 40 of those in the Hispanic community. Um, upcoming vaccine opportunities this week, uh, we will be having both first and second doses of Pfizer and some Moderna, as well as some Johnson & Johnson. County events we have planned, uh, well, we had a Moderna first dose clinic in the morning and Pfizer second dose clinic in the afternoon and early evening. That was yesterday. On Saturday, May 1st, we'll have Pfizer available at the Ukiah High School for students and their families. And this is being offered by the county and worked on by the school and the city of Ukiah. <clears throat> Next week uh, in the clinics, RCMS is, uh, is going to have uh, vaccines available on Saturdays and uh, in the clinics at their visits, and they are using Pfizer. On May 1st, they'll have second dose clinic, and on May 8th, 
another second dose clinic. Mendocino Community Clinic uh, has declared May is for Moderna. And on Fridays from 5.30 to 7.30 each Friday night, there will be drive-through clinics uh, at the clinic. Uh, Anderson Valley Health Center will have a vaccine clinic on Thursday for second dose Moderna. That will be at the high school. And uh, if people request, they will be able to uh, get first doses and also drop in there. Mendocino Community Health Center has Johnson & Johnson in the office and are offering that as part of the workflow for their patient visits. Consolidated Tribal Health Project uh, will have Moderna first dose uh, clinic on Wednesday the 5th of May in the morning and second dose in the afternoon. Uh, uh, Adventist Health, Ukiah Valley does have it, uh, the vaccines available for their patients. They are uh, requesting for all their patients to sign up at their appointments and they're scheduling them for a combined clinic later. Bechtel Creek is offering Pfizer second doses on Tuesday and Friday. Please call first so they can align 10 people so there's less waste of those vaccines. And some Moderna are also available if requested. In Laytonville, they're uh, having Tuesday and Friday clinics regularly, uh, second dose Moderna, 10 a.m. to noon by appointment or walk-in. Round Valley Indian Health scheduled on May 15th, 11 a.m. to 2 p.m., first or second dose uh, drive-throughs and walk-ins are also welcome. So in summary, we should be proud to achieve the yellow tier status. Our county has earned it by following the guidance, restrictions, and getting tested and vaccinated. This has been painful for many. We have come together as a community of partners, including the health department, our hospitals, clinics, emergency medical and first responders, cities, schools, religious leaders, and many, many others. At the same time, we must continue to be vigilant and follow the remaining guidance to prevent more spread or a new wave or even a surge. The pandemic is raging in other areas in the world and surprisingly even here in the United States as close as Oregon. The UK variant that is more contagious and more virulent we have found here now in Mendocino County and it provides a new urgency to get vaccinated as soon as possible. So as always, we should be following the guidance for masking, distancing, hygiene, ventilation, being outdoors and testing. Of course, take into consideration the advantages if you are vaccinated, uh, where you can be closer to other people and be outside, outside of uh, um, crowded spaces without masks if you're completely vaccinated. But our major defense at this time is vaccinations. This is prevention. These vaccines are safe and effective. And if you are not vaccinated, you're at high risk, even if you're following all the recommendations. So please get vaccinated. There are openings at our events. So the vaccines are free and accessible. Please don't wait. And that will end my report for this week. Thank you, Dr. Korn, for that report. Now we're going to open up to some questions from the media. First, leading us off will be Mendocino Voice. Okay. How you doing, everyone? Hi, Adrian. 
Uh, Dr. Korn, um, I'm wondering if you could describe, uh, talk a little bit more about uh, new variants that are popping up. I know there was, I think there's one in India and one in Brazil that I know of. If you could talk a little bit about more about those variants and if we've seen those in California yet. So the, the main variant that we have in California is the West Coast variant or the California variant, which those of us from California don't like to refer to it as. Um, and uh, that one is does spread a little faster. It's 20% more contagious than the native uh, COVID virus. Um, it does not have, as far as we know, more virulence. It is not more severe. And it is um, uh, not resistant to the vaccines. So vaccinations completely protect against that. The other variant that um, has been seen uh, in uh in uh, uh, in California, and as I said, uh, here in Ukiah, is the UK variant or the B117, and that does spread significantly faster, not 20%, but 50% faster, and it is more uh, virulent, though it still is responsive to our treatments, such as the monoclonal antibodies, and also uh, to vaccination efforts. The virus that is raging in Brazil is the P1 variant, and it spreads faster, and it's more virulent. Uh, I, I am not sure. I don't think that it's, uh, I don't have it here, um, resistant to the current vaccines that we have. The, um, the South African variant is resistant, uh, though it was found to be sensitive to the vaccines that we have now. Uh, as far as the Johnson & Johnson, the uh, mRNA vaccines were tested late there before the, uh, I think before the, uh, that variant was found. Uh, so it's a, uh, it's a little questionable. I'm, I'm not quite sure whether it is sensitive, but the South African variant has not significantly hit the, um, the, the Western Hemisphere. The other variant that we're seeing a lot in the news is the Indian variant, and um, that's sometimes referred to as the double variant. It has some characteristics of the UK variant, so it is more transmissible, um, and it has some uh, characteristics of the uh, South African variant, and so it is more virulent. And uh, we don't know yet whether it has resi significant resistance uh, to the vaccines that we have because it shares uh, it shares mutations from both UK and and uh, South Africa. So that is still being looked at. But clearly it's raging and, and uh, creating uh, an inferno of of uh, of uh, a pandemic in India. So we have to be worried about that. Did that answer your questions, Adrian? Uh, for your follow up, Mendocino voice. Yeah, yeah, that that's clear. But I, I was just just to clarify is still part of the first question is, have we seen um, the Indian? Has there any been testing from the state lab showing that we've seen the Indian variant or the South African variant, any of those other var Brazilian variant in California? Um, that's just to clarify for the first question. And I'll go ahead and ask my second question, which is if you could update us on the status of the Vallejo lab that Mendocino County is participating in the study on. Um, yeah, we're, we actually participate in the Solano lab, um, 
and uh, uh, so they are, you know, they're a full uh, county lab, and they are in the process of uh, setting up and finalizing their their operations around their whole genome sequencing. Well, let me go back. Um, I think that there have been a case or two in Southern California of the uh, P1 variant from Brazil, and uh, there may have been a case from or two from South Africa, but they were uh, contained, mitigated, and as far as I know, some time has passed, and we haven't seen other uh, the emergence of uh, more of those. Thank you. Next question is going to be for Mendocino Action News. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Just to clarify, um, you were setting up the Mendocino County. What is the status of the whole genome testing at the Solano lab? How far along is that? And will we be able to get more of those whole genome tests happening in Mendocino County? Out, out of Mendocino County, rather. Yeah. What's happening now, I've made many calls to the Solano lab, to BRDL, which is the, the major uh, lab that has been doing the whole genome testing and to uh, the Perkin Elmer lab, which is the new state lab that's been up for several months. Um, the the uh, Solano lab is uh, adding on the whole genome sequencing, and they're able to do it, uh, but it's the results are not final. So as I understand it, all of their tests also are being run through the CDPH lab uh, to confirm results. Uh, however, they are tied in uh, to the new state system of uh, COVIDnet, which is a state uh, system to increase uh, testing of variants throughout the state. Uh, and that is working from Perkin Elmer Lab and VRDL, but also working with many academic institutions and other county labs that are adding on uh, more and more the whole genome sequencing. They are uh, at the point where they are going back to all of the positive tests that were done starting in January to do the sequencing on the any of the uh, samples that they have that they can run through that to give us a better understanding of what's been happening with these variants. And they're doing 11%, 10 to 11% of the positive tests that they're getting in through Perkin Elmer. Um, they have been uh, also improving their, their uh, operations so that their goal is to be able to get uh, the results out within a week. Uh, in certain special cases, they may be able to get results out in a day, but for the most part, the results come in uh, about a month later. And that's what happened with this most recent notice that we got about the UK variant. So things are slow. This is not a test that you would use clinically yet to uh, mitigate or to treat someone, but it does give us a, uh, a sense of what's happening in our community. Uh, I had tried to set it up through the uh, Solano lab and they are getting up their whole genome sequencing, uh, but they're doing uh, uh, most of their tests uh, and having them validated outside. So it didn't work out as an easy, uh, as an easy uh, fix for doing the whole genome sequencing for our community. Uh, and, Perkin, and if we have someone that we do need uh, to do whole genome sequencing for, 
uh, we can coordinate that through CDPH and VRDL and, uh, and highlight and request that that particular sample for clinical reasons get whole genome sequencing. So that's where we're at at this point. Thank Thanks, you, Dr. Korn. Uh, next up is the Mendocino Action News. Hello. Um, thank you for having this meeting. It's nice to see that we're in the yellow tier. I hope that means that, you know, that you guys have all done a great job and hard work and our community's done a lot of hard work um, to get there. Um, so my question, one of them, if you could a little bit elaborate on graduations. I know you said a sentence or two, um, but if you could talk a little bit more about that. Are you meeting with superintendents? Are you guys discussing the layout, um, seeing that last year was canceled or modified? The uh, state has released uh, guidance for graduations, and uh, and the schools are, are going are working with those. And if they have questions, then I can I can review them and answer. Uh, but basically, it is a an outdoor seated event is how it's being treated, uh, and there will be a need for masking and spacing, and. Um, uh, they will have to decide. There are a number of ways that they can work it, but I think most of them are having their events as usual outside with more spacing. There'll be some restrictions of people who can come based on their uh, the capacity of wherever they have it. Um, and so that's what's happening with the, with the graduations. They're, they're doing their planning right now. And for your follow-up. Uh, my other question, Seeing that, okay, there's some vaccines starting into the year for younger kids that you, I don't, I missed the part if you said they will start them, because I know we're doing testing now on uh, younger children. I also saw that a lot of the UCs are trying to get it mandated for vaccines prior to people, you know, returning in the fall. Do you see that actually, you know, coming to? There are problems with that because the vaccines that we have right now are their emergency use authorizations because they're not federally uh, the FDA approved. So none of them are approved. And to ask or, or require uh, vaccinations before attending uh, attendance to anything is, uh, is, is very difficult and, and would come under scrutiny, I'm sure, up to the Supreme Court. So they're talking about it, and there are other places who have talked about it as well. But I think mandating vaccines has not been what our federal government or state government has wanted to do. And uh, doing so would present a lot of constitutional problems. Thank you. Next up is going to be KZYX. Chris, hello. Thank you. Um, so it sounds like in the yellow tier, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, I still had a notice on my screen. Okay, it sounds like attendance at various events in the yellow tier can be higher than 50% with proof of vaccination or negative test. And I'm wondering what that looks like logistically and who's going to take the lead on coming up with a system to require that kind of proof and monitor it? Well, <clears throat> Yes, there are there are a number of um, capacity limits that have gone up if people show that they are tested and negative, and if they have been vaccinated. Um, I'm looking through the the uh, blueprint right now, 
and I'm seeing the maximum is still 50% on a lot of them. But I do know that there is a bonus so that it can be uh, 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 bigger than that. In fact, outdoor live events that are seated can be uh, 67%. So I just found one. But the others can also bonus if they are all vaccinated or, or tested negative. Uh, how does that uh, get translated into reality? Whoever's holding those events are required to, to check people's uh, proof of vaccination or proof of a recent negative test. There is in the state and in the country uh, and, and internationally some um, interest in developing vaccine passports. I'm sure you've, you've uh, heard and, uh, and it is a hot topic. Uh, there are questions of privacy and questions of um, um, fraud uh, that would have to be dealt with with those kinds of cards. And so uh, I know Imperial County is trying to arrange something like that, but it, we don't have a vaccine passport at all in this country that I know of, but it is something on the horizon probably. So, so the answer, the quick answer to your question is it's up to the organizer of the event. And for your follow-up. So I, uh, that sounds kind of like an honor system, um, like environmental health or code enforcement is not going to be patrolling outdoor concerts or movie theaters. I didn't hear the, the part that you said after honor system. Oh, it just um just a clarification. It sounds like environmental health or code enforcement or law enforcement or anything is not going to be patrolling events where the um, where there's a, a greater allowance of participants if they're vaccinated or tested. I don't know what will happen in other counties. I think it would be a nightmare for code enforcement to go back and forth among the aisles or stand in the lines and check people. Uh, we will probably do what we've done with other guidance, which is to say you have to have people out there checking uh, their paperwork for uh, their recent tests uh, or their proof, of, their proof of recent testing and their proof of vaccination. So it's not exactly an honor system. Uh, we do expect that the uh, organizers of the venues are really checking uh, for the safety of their clients uh, and, and the public. I think if we found that there were egregious problems, code enforcement could be called to investigate. All right, thank you. Um, we don't have any questions from the public, so I'm going to do one more round through the media, and you can ask one additional question. Uh, Mendocino Voice, you're up. Yeah, you know, I want to piggyback on what Sarah was saying there in terms of uh, I know I, I understand that the county and the state and the feds aren't mandating any specific kind of vaccine passport at this time. And it sounds like they haven't even created a guideline, but maybe you could offer like a best practice, if not, you know, if not a rigid guideline, a best practice, what is something people could offer as a proof of vaccination? What is something that venue operators, restaurants, bars were listed in there, any number of venues um, could, uh, could, would, that would be sensible for them to accept as proof. Let's put it that way. So it's not like a rigid law, but just, you know, your guidance. Well, for vaccinations, they can bring their vaccine card. They can bring a picture of their vaccine card. They can bring a note from their provider that says they were completely vaccinated by a certain date. 
So that's a, a very checkable piece of hard, you know, of hard evidence, and that's what's being recommended. The same thing is true for testing. Testing should be if it's a PCR test within uh, three days, and if it's a uh, Binax or a, a, I should uh, not use the brand name, uh, but if it's an antigen test, it can be done the same day, and the operators should be looking at those pieces of paper um, before they enter. Thank you. Next is going to be Mendocino Action News. Okay. There's a lot of pop boxes there. Okay. Let me just get back. There's been a lot of changes regarding vaccinated individuals. You know, we went from the possibility that they could still transmit the virus. I think you said that's still cautionary with vulnerable family members or work environment. Then recently, you know, you can have the mask off outside or with strangers or small crowds. And then um, just now you said versus before, there is no need to um, test anymore uh, unless you're in healthcare or other work environment. Could you uh, give a quick summary on the actual changes regarding vaccinated individuals? So from the point of view of the California Department of Public Health, uh, people can spend time with other fully vaccinated people, including indoors, without wearing a mask or physical distancing. They can spend some time with unvaccinated people from a single household who are at low risk of severe COVID disease without wearing a mask or physical distancing. So that would be uh, a gathering of mostly vaccinated people, but there may be another single household uh, where someone may not have been vaccinated, and that would be okay to be in that kind of a gathering. They, should, they can refrain from quarantine and they can refrain from testing following a known exposure if they are asymptomatic. And this is not necessarily the case if it's a workplace setting. So in healthcare uh, settings and in workplace settings, those are governed by a different set of rules. And in workplace settings, it's uh, OSHA, Occupational Safety and Health Administration, or CalOSHA. And... Uh, and in hospitals, there are healthcare worker um, uh, recommendations because they're in contact with more vulnerable people. They should continue, people who are vaccinated, to wear uh, a mask, a well-fitted mask, and physical distancing uh, if they're around vulnerable people. Um, and if they're, you know, in... Uh, if they're with non-vaccinated people or groups who are both vaccinated and unvaccinated, with the one exception I mentioned. People who are vaccinated should continue to wear masks and continue to physical distance and adhere to the other measures when visiting with unvaccinated people, especially who are at risk for severe COVID disease or have, uh, or have an unvaccinated household member who's present in the household. Let me just try and get rid of this. Distraction. Um, let's see. And they should get tested for sure if anyone who has been vaccinated is experiencing COVID symptoms. So they should go to their clinical provider uh, and consider getting tested. 
Um, and if they are positive in their testing or their provider suggests uh, that they may have COVID, they should follow the uh, all the guidance around isolation and excluding from high-risk settings. Does that answer your question? Sorry, there wasn't allowing me there. Yeah, thank you very much. That was very clear. Okay, good. Thank you. All right, next is going to be KZYX. And I was think I might have snubbed them on one of, them question, one of their questions. To clarify, they might be able to ask, too. Yeah, I was going to bring that up because it ties into my next question. Um, I really think that being muted in between the questions insults our professionalism and treats us like we're class clowns disrupting a proceeding. And I would like to know when we are going to be allowed to participate in person in our local politics and informational sessions so that we can actually have a level of meaningful participation with our leadership. Thank you. Just for clarification, people have been able to unmute themselves throughout this uh, conversation. So Sarah, um, I think that it will depend on uh, our uh, level of uh, contagion in the community and that as soon as we hit June 15th, we're going to have to make a decision whether the overall level of contagion within the community is low enough and the vaccine, the protection in the community is high enough uh, that certain venues will be open to face-to-face -face meetings. We want to get back to that point. And here in Mendocino County, I know that our uh, CEO and Board of Supervisors have a, uh, have a graded opening plan, uh, and uh, they're uh, thinking in terms of June as well uh, before we move to a less restrictive um, entry into our public buildings um you know so we want to we want the democratic process to continue and face-to-face -face is a good way for us to be meeting but we also want to protect the members of our community uh, against this pandemic so again it's been a balance uh we don't like to put restrict i certainly don't like to put restrictions on people uh but we're doing this because it protects everybody and we still think there's a measure of danger to everybody if we're mingling uh, vaccinated and unvaccinated people. But the, clo the sooner we can get to being uh, together and face-to-face -face is the sooner we can uh, get vaccinated and get our numbers uh, up higher, uh, where we feel more confident that there will be less contagion during these kinds of uh, meetings and, and gatherings. Did that answer your question, sir? It's not a hard date. I'm not giving you a hard date. Yeah, I would like to add that I have been trying to unmute myself and failing. And um, I would really appreciate more of an attempt to have more meaningful interactions with all of our leadership, because a lot of times we're asking questions and we get this kind of ring around the rosy and sent to people who don't know the answers. And um, I feel like the pandemic has been used as an excuse not to give people a lot of information in a timely way and i would like that to be over sarah i appreciate that i i hope you'll be patient because there's a lot of information we don't know and we're finding it out as we go along 
For example, we really don't know uh, the duration of the uh, immunogenicity of the vaccines. And so we're hitting six months now. And, and the fact that the, that they are letting us be together and, and finding that the vaccines are lasting uh, uh, more than six months is we're discovering this as we go. We, we, are, we are all in this Petri dish together. Let me put it that way. And we're, we're trying to go cautiously so that we don't have a rebound. There are threats around the corner and uh, we're trying to open it up as soon as we can. We, we really hear you. And these are discussions that we're having in the state calls and within the county as well. Uh, but I think we need a little bit of uh, patience. And, and that's not easy when we've been in, you know, in, in lockdown for more than a year. So I appreciate the, the, the questions and the concerns. Uh, but I hope you'll appreciate that we're trying to be cautious uh, for, you know, for the safety of the community. And I hope that, that we can consider the safety of our democracy as well. Thank you. Good. Thank you. We also have one question from the community that came in. They would like to know how long the vaccines last for. Well, I was just, just talking about that a second ago, probably when that person was asking the question. <clears throat> you know, uh, we are now looking at those people who are in the phase three trials and had the vaccines available to them uh, three months before they were available to the rest of us. Uh, and so we were, they were the people uh, who we were looking at then to see if it was safe and effective. And their uh, vaccine duration is, is a little over six months now. It's, it's uh, coming on to, uh, I think, eight or nine months. And we're seeing the same kind of immuni immunity at this time after those vaccinations in those people so as we go forward, we'll be able to say more uh, uh, clearly how long the vaccines are lasting. And really what we want to know is what's it safe to do when you've had these vaccines? And we don't know that yet. Nobody knows that. It's not something anyone's holding back. Uh, we're trying to good, use good scientific principles to assess that. Uh, it's not only the immunoglobulins and levels of various tests uh, that are that are there that doesn't tell us what the real immunity in the community is and I think that's the question you're asking uh, not just what it would be in a laboratory so until we see enough experience uh, going on to nine months and a year it looks like uh, those are our next goalposts and we're, we're trying to make those as as we as we live that uh, that experiment I think another question is will we need boosters well We'll need boosters when the immunogenicity, when the immunity uh, wanes, and we'll see that in population studies, probably in those people who are were in the phase three trials. Will those boosters be the same as the uh, uh, current vaccines? It depends a little bit on the variants and their, uh, their susceptibility to the current vaccines. So the answer is, I don't know, but we're looking and we're trying to follow that. I hope that's an adequate answer for you. Thank you, Dr. Corrin. That sums up today's COVID-19 update. Thank you for joining us. I'd like to give Dr. Corrin the opportunity to give his concluding comments. Well, I think everybody on this call and whoever will be listening and reading what you all are writing and broadcasting understands that this has been a terrible year. Uh, we've been shut down and, uh, and going through our own personal pain, some people more than others, some people losing loved ones. It's a very severe epidemic, and it appears that the vaccines 
are helping us emerge from that threat. Uh, it's, it's certainly looking good at this point in Mendocino County, but around the corner we have some significant challenges to that success. And one is uh, there's more gatherings and uh, the other, you know, and we have holidays coming up, July 4th, Memorial Day, the whole summer and spring and, and fall where people travel and visit. Um, and we have variants. And the variants are here in the United States and here in California and here in Mendocino County. And they are a huge threat and a challenge up ahead. So far, our vaccines uh, are handling them very well. The problem that we're having is getting more people open to sticking out their arms and getting vaccinated. We need people to tell other people, I had the vaccine, it didn't hurt, I didn't have severe side effects, I'm being protected, I can now do more because I'm vaccinated, our community is safer, you'll be safer, you'll protect your families and your friends and the people you work with if you're vaccinated. Let's get everybody vaccinated, now is the time. So that's what I'll leave you with. Thank you, Dr. Corin. Our next update is scheduled for May 14th. Please continue to follow Mendocino County Public Health on Facebook and all COVID-19 updates. Thank you for joining us. All right, and that was Mendocino County's COVID-19 briefing. I'm Alicia Bales, live in the studio here. I bring this uh, county information to you, or KZYX brings this county information to you every Friday from 3 to 4, whether or not we have the public health officer live on the line for call-ins or the county rebroadcasting the county's COVID-19 briefing. Uh, we do like to keep you updated on the county's re- response to the pandemic. I've got just a couple of minutes left here to repeat the testing opportunities and vaccination opportunities in the county this week. Uh, According to Dr. Corrin, testing numbers have fallen off, but testing is still available in the county. He is concerned that rates are so low for testing that we may not be able to find index cases in time to control outbreaks. And he recommended to get tested once per month, whether vaccinated or not. In Ukiah, you can get tested Sunday through Thursday from 9 to 5 at the Ukiah Fairgrounds. And in Fort Bragg, you can get tested for COVID-19 Tuesdays from 9 to 5 at the Veterans Hall. The county's OptumServe testing travel team is also uh, traveling through the county on Fridays. Today, it's in Point Arena and Boonville. And next week, they'll be in Laytonville and Willits. So maybe it's time to put that on your regular schedule for the month. Consolidated Tribal Health is testing in Willits today. Dr. Korn said symptomatic people should go to their clinics or healthcare providers for testing, not to the surveillance testing sites. Now, as far as vaccine opportunities this week in Mendocino County, all vaccines are free and accessible to everyone. The county is holding several events, one on Saturday, May 1st at Ukiah High School for students and families. This will be a Pfizer clinic. Uh, The Pfizer vaccine will be available in Willits. On May 4th, from 3 to 6 p.m., there'll be a vaccination event at the Willits Community Center. This will have Pfizer first and second doses. In Ukiah, on May 5th, from 1 to 7 p.m., there'll be a vaccine event at the Ukiah Fairgrounds. This will be for Pfizer first and second doses. And in Mendocino, the village of Mendocino, on May 6th, from 3 to 6 p.m. at the Mendocino Presbyterian Church, 44831 Main Street, this will be a Pfizer first and second dose event.
Local clinics are also offering vaccinations. RCMS in Wallala is going to have Pfizer vaccines available on Saturdays and during their clinic visits. Uh, May 1st, they'll be offering second-dose Pfizer vaccines, and May 8th, they'll be offering second-dose Pfizers. You can call RCMS to sign up. Mendocino Coast Clinics is saying May is for Moderna. Fridays from 5.30 to 7.30 in May, they'll be hosting drive through clinics at MCC. You can call them at 964-1251 to find out more. Anderson Valley Health Center is holding a vaccination event on Thursday, May 6th for second dose Moderna shots at Anderson Valley High School. First doses are also available by request and you can drop in to this one. MCHC has Johnson & Johnson available at their office. Shots are available during patient visits. Consolidated Tribal Health will be offering Moderna first doses on Wednesday, May 5th in the morning, with second doses available in the afternoon. That's Consolidated Tribal Health in Redwood Valley, Wednesday, May 5th. Adventist Health in Ukiah has vaccines available for their patients. Uh, They are asking you sign up uh, for an appointment, and they will schedule a future combined clinic with those signups. Bechdel Creek Clinic in Willits is offering vaccinations on Tuesdays and Fridays. Pfizer second doses are available and some Moderna. Please call them first to schedule. In Laytonville, the Long Valley Health Center is having Tuesday and Friday clinics regularly every week from 10 a.m. to noon. They're offering second dose Moderna by appointment or walk-in. And finally, Round Valley Indian Health Center is having a vaccine event on Saturday, May 15th from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. It's a first or second dose drive-through clinic and walk-ins are welcome. So you can listen to this uh, broadcast again on our jukebox page if you go to kzyx.org and look for the archives jukebox link or you can listen to it on our local coronavirus update podcast at kzyx local coronavirus podcast update wherever you get your podcasts. I want to thank you all very much for supporting the KZYX flash drive this week. It ended on Tuesday with an almost $85,000 total. Thank you so much. And we will be back again with more coronavirus coverage on Monday at three o'clock with Dr. Drew Colfax. You can call in with your questions from three to four o'clock on Monday afternoon. Have a wonderful weekend. Stay safe. Enjoy this beautiful weather. And I will talk to you Monday. You've been listening to the local coronavirus update from KZYXNZ Mendocino County Public Broadcasting in Philo, California. This podcast is made possible by funding from the Mask Awareness Project of North Coast Opportunities. To hear this program live, tune in on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time to KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Williton Ukiah at 91.5 FM, and in Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Or you can hear us anywhere at kzyx.org, where you can also find out how to donate or become a KZYX member. Thanks for listening.